0: Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth. And we pray it's life-changing. And we hope to see you soon. Thank you, Muchi. Thank you, Diamond. Lovely couple. We appreciate you all. And thank you to the Brook for having me down here. I'm honored to be in your midst. Uh, Today I want to talk to you all about forgiveness, and so that is a very challenging and sensitive topic, and for us to be able to jump into that topic, I want to acknowledge I've had the opportunity to meet many of your people. You all are very sweet and kind people. Uh, I'm sure that many of you are philanthropic. I am sure that you help people. You open doors. You're very kind, and you do things for people. Uh, that is the very nice version of you, and I appreciate that version of you. Today, I need to talk to the hurt version of you, all right? the hurt you, because that I, what I have found in ministry is that the nice you and the hurt you are very different people. The truth is, is that you have trusted people that have fractured relationships with you, There's someone here that has had their kindness taken as weakness. There's someone here today that's been betrayed. There's someone here today that's had a rumor spread about them. There's someone that you've shown up for people in such a sacrificial way, and those same people did not show up for you. There are people here today that there were relationships where you had expectations, and those expectations weren't met. Maybe by an authority figure, maybe like a family member. Maybe there was someone that you thought you could lean on, a boss, a professor. And they did not care nor see you as a person that you know who you are. And then lastly, some of you have been traumatized. Some of you have had some very dark things happen to you. Some deep wounds happen to you. And with that, The hurt you has wounds, wounds that often lead to you thinking about people often, the people that have hurt you, and it leads to you holding a grudge, having bitterness, and oftentimes wanting revenge. You all are very sweet and kind people, but I know that there are certain people that get your mind to think... Very maliciously, viciously, angrily, intently. And so it it is with that I, I want to minister to that part of you today the part that you maybe not present to people, the quiet areas of your soul. Some of you think about people more than you want to admit, some of you think about people from the past more than you'd like to acknowledge. Part of the reason why that is is because wounds tend to go deeper in our memory than blessing. And so you think about it often, more than you want to acknowledge this morning. And the challenge before us in Matthew 18.35, at the end of this text, Jesus is going to challenge us to forgive our brother from our heart. So there is a kind of forgiveness that is a religious performance in front of people. But then there's a kind of forgiveness that is private and quiet in your heart. And so I want to acknowledge before you today that forgiveness is deeply spiritual. The Greek word, aphiemi, means to release someone from a debt, to cancel that debt, to no longer hold on to it. I want to acknowledge that this sermon is a part of a sermon series That I did at my church. If you want to hear more, uh, we can send you links or whatever. We're going to use this audio actually at my church because we lost our audio one Sunday. But the first week was about the forgiveness that comes from Jesus. And this is the second week in that it's forgiving others. And then the third week was forgiveness as a lifestyle. So we will not unpack every dynamic of forgiveness this morning because it's part of a series but today i want to look at matthew 18 and talk about the power power of forgiving others this comes in the context of matthew 18 where jesus has just talked about how do you deal with people that have hurt you it's a classic passage of having reconciliation and conflict. And Jesus basically says, look, if someone hurts you, go to them, talk to them in private. If it doesn't work, bring others with you. If it doesn't work, go before the church and have them deal with it, but try to be reconciled with that person. And you know, when you preach, people oftentimes come up to you after and they want to know, well, how do I apply this to my life? And give me some details because i heard what you said i agree with it but i need some details about my own life and that's precisely what peter does peter comes up to jesus and he asks him a question matthew 18:20 and 1 peter comes up to him and he says okay well i get what you're saying i agree with your theology but how often how often will my brother sin against me and i forgive them let me throw a number out there how about 7 times jesus How about I forgive them seven times? (laughs) Peter has said, basically, I got just so much forgiveness in me. Now, you haven't said seven times, but in your head, you've had people hurt you, and you've said, you got one more time. And then it's revenge season, okay? Then I'm going to have a comeback and get back. I'm going to get back at you for what you did to me. I've tolerated you just so much. Maybe you didn't say seven times, but what Peter is getting at is I'm counting. And I've got just so many more times to deal with your foolishness. The Talmud, which is a commentary on the Old Testament, calls to forgive people three times. Peter felt good about himself, seven times. And what Jesus did is profound in Matthew 18, 22. Jesus says, I do not, so he responds to him. And Jesus says to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Now, Peter, I'm sure, was in shock when he took that number and he brought it to an astronomical number. And what Jesus was doing here was very profound because Jesus could have said, well, uh, my brother, you have to forgive as many stars are in the sky or as many seas in the sand. He could have used some abstract concept, but he actually takes a number and he gives him a radical, infinite number, a number he could never achieve. And that was very intentional by Jesus Because what Jesus was saying is, I'm going to call to you, forgive people, more than you can do it on your own. You think about the number seven, biblically, is the number of completion. Something come to an end. And what Jesus is basically saying is, I'm calling you to come to an end of yourself. I'm not asking you to call on your own power. I'm not asking you to be nice. I'm asking you to live with the supernatural power of God and start forgiving people. So I'm saying an infinite amount of times because I give you an infinite resource of forgiveness. No, no, Peter, I'm not asking you to be sweet, kind, and have etiquette. Isn't that how our culture says, I know I should forgive, that would be the nice thing to do. You know, as Christians, we ought to forgive, we should, you know, we ought to, it'd be nice. Saying supernatural. Forgiveness is not nice, it's supernatural. It is calling on the power of God, the resource of God, the king, and asking him to do what you cannot do on your own. So therefore, forgiveness of others begins with surrender to the king. Asking him, I can't do this again. I can't love these people. I can't be kind to this person. So he says 77 times. It's worth, before we get into the depth of the text, we just say a a few rules mentally about forgiveness. Saints, forgiveness is not reconciliation. Forgiveness is a step towards the potential of reconciliation. Reconciliation happens when we start talking about the nature of the wrongs and we start holding people accountable. People, Forgiveness is when somebody says, I did it. And I won't do it again. You crazy if you reconcile with somebody that wants to do it again. That's insane. No, you would never reconcile with a dishonest person. You never reconcile with a person who makes excuses. Never reconcile with a person who only wants to talk about all the good things they've ever done for you, but they don't want to talk about how they hurt you that one time. That don't make no sense. No, we want to create a pathway for reconciliation. But forgiveness is about how the king has treated you and how he calls us to treat others. If you have a Bible with you, please look deeper with me in Matthew 18. Jesus is going to give this story to Peter in response to him asking, how often must I forgive my brother? Verses 23 and 24, Jesus says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. A few things to unpack. The first is, he doesn't say, Jesus, he doesn't say, okay, well, let me explain to you forgiveness with a story, Peter. What he does is he says, the kingdom of heaven is like so what you must understand is this is not necessarily just the story of forgiveness. This is a kingdom principle he's trying to teach, Peter. What he is teaching him is that the king is going to bless and the king is going to express, expect the servant to bless others. The kingdom principle is that the king has resources he gives to his servants. He presumes they will use it as a blessing for others in the kingdom. The other thing to keep in mind is, he says that there were 10,000 talents that he owed him. So one talent in that economy at that time, one talent would be a year's wage. So let's just be conservative. Let's say blue collar worker, a year's wage is $40,000, one year's wage. So that's one talent. 10,000 talents would be $400 million. What was he doing? Can you imagine owing someone $400 million? It is an inconceivable number. It is a debt that goes beyond our comprehension. It is a debt so big that we couldn't imagine trying to pay it. We know that I can't pay it. I probably have to beg. Understand that what this is intended to be is a picture of our indebtedness to our king. Before we even get into forgiveness of others, we have to get into our great infinite debt that we have to our God. God, let's not even begin with forgiveness. What do we owe God for creating us? What is the financial equivalent of God knitting us in the womb? What is the financial equivalent of him sustaining us? Because our God gives us breath and he gives us our hearts beating. What is the financial equivalent? The great debt that we owe God. And in addition to all that, he has forgiven us our sins. Our sins, which we believe are many. Great story, Luke chapter 7. It, it talks about a sinful woman that came to Jesus. And when she came to him, she had this alabaster, and she pours it out. It's this incredible perfume, and she pours it before Jesus. And she's crying, and the Pharisees are judging her like, come on, it, it don't take that much. Relax. It's, it's just Jesus. And Jesus would say about this woman something very powerful in Luke seven forty-seven. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many are forgiven for she loved much but he who is forgiven little, little loves little this woman was called a woman of the city everyone knew her sin and Jesus publicly forgave her and he says her sins were so many and because her sins were so much she feels deeply forgiven so she's pouring out her love before me And Jesus says, if you believe you're forgiven little, you will forgive little. And if you believe you are loved much, you will love much. This really begins, before we start talking about forgiveness of others, this really begins to make us think about how great our debt is before God. Because when you believe that your sins are infinite, when you believe your sin is huge before God, then the cross will be huge. When you believe your sins are many, you believe you are greatly forgiven. But this does not work for moral religious people. People who know they've been good their whole little life. People who have done everything right. The, the cross doesn't hit like that for them. Because they've been good enough. But those who know that if it hadn't been for the goodness of the Lord, they don't know where they would be. Those people think of how deep the cross and how rich the blood is for them, and they cannot think of their life if they had not been forgiven. And so he says to this woman, her sins are forgiven. The king has a great debt he cancels. So... Here, the king responds to the debt. In verse 26, it says So the servant fell on his knees, and he implores him, Have patience with me. I'll pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. If you have your Bible, that's a great verse, set of verses to highlight, because I think there we have a framework of forgiveness of others. It begins, verse 26, the servant falls on his knees and he does not ask for forgiveness, he asks for patience. He says, be patient with me, the word patient. The King James used to interpret it as long-suffering. It means to have a slow boil, a slow melt. It's like a candle that has a long wick. It takes a long time to melt. Patience with people is when I absorb suffering instead of just responding to how I've suffered. It's when I'm willing to think for a second and think about me and God before I think about how you have hurt me. Patience gives you time to reflect on God's perspective. Patience gives you time to reflect on what God has done for you. Saints, we sin when we start to respond quickly to people. That's a whole other sermon for another day. Part of one of the greatest things you can do when you're in a conflict is slow down and consider how does God see them and how does God see me? Patience. So he's, it is in patience that we are able to reflect. And let me also note, it is when you not only reflect on God's perspective about you and other people, but it's also when you reflect with healthy people. I have people in my life that are on my team regardless of what I say. If I say I robbed a bank, they'd be like, why did that bank hold on to all that money in the first place? (laughs) So so I just want you to know there is such thing as a godly wisdom, and there is such thing as a demonic wisdom. So just because it feels right, sounds right, and makes you feel good when you walk away doesn't mean God approves. Be careful who you share your wounds with. Feeling better is not the goal. Being godly is. So he, so he says, be patient with me. Saints, I, I, I pray that God would give you an anointing to be patient with those who have hurt you. And, and what he says here next is so powerful. And this is where I think we get deep. This is where I think we get supernatural. This is where the resources of God anoint us to be able to do things for others that we could not do on our own. He says, and out of pity, the master of the servant released him and forgave the debt." The word pity there is compassion. It's the word that we feel deeply for someone else. It's like a passion that comes alongside of people. It's empathy for someone else. It's seeing someone as human, as broken. Jesus in Luke 23, 24 says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus was on a cross being oppressed. And he begins to pray for his oppressors. Now, how does Jesus pray for his oppressors? Because he knew even his oppressors were oppressed. He knew even those who had hurt him had a deeper problem than just the relationship. And it is there, that is where we are able to allow forgiveness to flow when you can start to humanize your oppressor. Humanize the one who has wounded you. You see, wounds oftentimes cause us to just want to define people by the hurt they've caused us. You can see people only as a problem. You remember you used to go to the carnivals. They would have those mirrors that would stretch you out or make you small. And that's how we begin to see people. We stretch them out. And we see them just as a problem. And we see them almost as something other than human. And that's all we think about is this person is a problem. This person is a problem. And what compassion does, what pity does, is it contextualizes the same things you see. The things you see. You see why they do what they do. But it puts them in a context and it humanizes them. There's people you look at and you say, you see, the problem is you you didn't know your daddy. And the problem is, you know, you've always been treating people that way. See, I know how you are. And you're able to pick people apart and just completely dismantle who they are. It's the same sentence, but put in compassion. You know, the problem is their father wasn't there. The problem is they, they haven't had anybody there for them. The problem is, see, the reason why they do that is because they really have not ever had support in their life you can say the same sentence with rage or compassion. And that's when the anointing flows over your life, when you start to see people as human, as broken. A a phrase, and I I don't say this as like, let me scientifically break this down for you. I'm saying this because I deal with people. I'm in Brooklyn, New York. You think everybody's nice? I'm saying I I, I I apply this to neighbors. I have a neighbor that I, I was preparing the message, and I was like, "Oh snap! You're going to test me in this today." <laughs> so here's so listen. A phrase that I have had to repeat to myself about actual people is: humans are souls to be loved, not problems to be eliminated. Another way of saying that is. Bill is a soul to be loved, not a problem to be eliminated. Do you catch what I'm saying there? Like it, w- w- the anointing flows when you start putting a name there. And you have to repeat that over yourself because that is a broken person. And that is, I'm sorry, God loves them. No amens to that, but that's all right. That's all right. God loves them. And you better be careful about how you treat Someone who God loves, even though they have not treated you in a loving way. And so, compassion, humanness, you begin to see them as a broken person, just like you are broken yourself. And what is the third thing that happens? He, he asks for patience, it produces pity. And then he releases him. Saints, could I ask just a question? How does a king release a person who owes them $400 million? Y'all chasing people around to owe you $5. How, listen, how does a person Release someone who owes them $400 million. There's only one way. Even though there's an infinite debt, the king must be infinitely rich. The only way he released them is he had so much more resource than that person stole from them. People have stolen moments from you, kindness from you, joy from you. People have abused the time they had with you and you hold them in the debt because you want that time back. You want that joy back and you say, you owe me, but I'm telling you, you will not obsess of what they owe when you know I've got a greater resource than them. I'm rich, I'm rich. You don't owe me opportunity. I'm rich. You overlooked me, but there's someone who looks at me. You weren't kind to me, but oh, there's a king that's given me infinite kindness. You hurt me, but he heals me. I do not think obsessively about you because I have a king that has replaced you with something better. Himself. I'm infinitely rich, so I can release you from the debt. It is when you obsess over the debt of others that you are living in spiritual poverty, and it is when you are able to be graceful, compassionate, and empathetic that you are living spiritually rich, and I call you today to look at the resources the king has given you. You are rich this morning. You are infinitely rich with the king's resources. This is where gratitude begins. This is when we stand and pause and look at all that God has done for us. This is why we come on Sundays to worship, to be reminded of the great king we have and the great resources he has given us. You would think that this servant would respond in the same way. And just as we see a a framework there for forgiveness, there is a framework there for, for unforgiveness. In verse 28, it says, when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. I don't have time to go in this, but don't choke people. Amen? All right. <laughs> this is this is four months' wage. So one talent is one year's wage, a hundred denarii is four months' wage. We'll put it a different way. The servant owed the king $400 million in the same numbers. He went out and found someone that owed him $13,000. Now, saints, $13,000 is a lot of money. I just, I don't want to go past this quickly. Someone owed him money, so I would probably do the same thing. But what I want to acknowledge is it's not the fact, listen, it's not the fact that he held him accountable to the debt. So I don't want you to start pretending with people. It's not that he didn't hold him accountable. It's the way he did it. Why, he's, why, why, why are we choking people? Why are we choking folk? Because he's dehumanized him. He sees him as a problem to be eliminated. Notice when you start calling people out of their name. Notice when you start just deep, vulgar statements about people. You make them something less than human, and you will respond in the same way. That's why the root of murder is anger. Because that's the seedbed in our minds and our hearts. So he's dehumanized him. Why is he now standing over him, choking him? Because he feels superior than him. You know, you would think, because he was oppressed by debt and liberated, you think he would act like a liberator, but he ends up acting more like an oppressor. Sometimes we enjoy, listen, Sometimes we enjoy keeping people in our debt because it just simply makes us feel better than them. Especially when we see them doing well. Especially when we see them advancing. We enjoy, we we like to keep that debt in our pocket. Oh, they're doing well, but they weren't always. But ultimately, why in the world would someone who's had $400 million forgiven immediately go after $13,000? The problem is the servant's bank account changed but his heart didn't change. And I just wanna say this and I don't have time to go into it. This is not a story just about debt and forgiveness. This is about religious people who are offered the cross on a weekly basis. They're offered grace on a weekly basis and they do not offer it to others. That's what this story is about. This is about a story that people praise God about grace and mercy, but don't offer grace and mercy. That's the kingdom principle. And so the servant hears other servants hear about it, verse 29, and they say, they, they, oh, the, actually, the servant responds and says, Has, have patience with me and I'll pay you. Says the same thing he said to the king. And in verse 30, it says, he refused, now watch this, he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. How does a servant end up putting the other servant in prison. Well, he had to go to a magistrate. He had to go to a jailer. He had to tell others, this guy owes me, and now I want him in prison. And one of the key indications of unforgiveness is when we are spreading someone else's offense. When you keep announcing that offense to others, Oh, I know it's a prayer request. I know. But it it just pour the minute that person's name comes up, it just pours out of you because you want them to put them, put that person in prison too. That it's a barometer when you keep spreading their name in that way. It is a key indication that you are not applying the forgiveness you've received from the king to that individual. This is why the Bible says in Matthew 18, if your brother sins against you, do what? Go, tell him his fault, but but that's what he says, keep it between you and him, keep it private. It's like a fire that breaks out and they want to just be able to contain it so it doesn't spread. Give that person a chance to change. Give that person a chance to grow. Instead of spreading the offense to everyone you know. It's there that in Matthew 18, 31, his fellow servants saw what had taken place. And they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. And then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, listen, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. In verse 33, hear it, feel it. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I? Had mercy on you? Don't you remember when you came to me begging me for forgiveness? Don't you remember that night where you had so much shame? Don't you remember when you've come to me pleading about what you've done again and again and how you said you would never do it and I offered you a grace again and again? Don't you remember that? How can you receive grace and mercy so freely? but act like you don't have enough for anybody else. How? That's what the king is asking. I had mercy on you. I expected you to have mercy on others. And in verse 34 it says, and in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. Notice that in the previous part of the story, the king never brought up prison. He said, you gotta, you know, you gotta now be sold and all this other stuff, but he never brought up prison. But the servant brought up prison about the other servant. And now the king is saying, you go to prison. And in many ways, the king is now treating him like he treated other people. And in his anger, he delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. Well, that was a sweet story, Jesus. Thank you so much. That was, man, what it, man, we need to contemplate that. Man, I wonder what that means for our theology. Jesus said, No, I'm gonna tell you what it means. No, you don't need no commentary. This is not a deep text. You don't need the Greek nor the Hebrew. <laughs> Jesus is like, uh, yeah, so let me break it down for you. So also, my heavenly father will think about, will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Now, I need you to understand the radical implications of this text. This text is not saying if you don't forgive people God will not forgive you. This text is saying if you don't forgive you I, if you don't forgive people I doubt you've ever been forgiven by the king. This text is not saying that you will go and be separated from God and in an eternal hell because you don't forgive people. The text is saying you are probably going to go to hell because you've never actually received the forgiveness of the king. Oh, you've heard about forgiveness. You've heard sermons about it. You could even quote certain verses, but Clearly you could not, you can't, you, there's no way you've received the forgiveness of the king and you out here gossiping and slandering and holding on to grudges forever in a day. No, no way you've received an infinite amount of forgiveness and you've got a little bit of forgiveness in your life. So most likely you'd never knew the king. That's what he's saying here. And he's saying it's it's an issue of our hearts. And saints, I I just want to say this. When we as people begin to operate, not just nicely, but supernaturally, the king starts living his life through his people, and there is a kingdom of this world filled with unforgiveness, bitterness, and rage. And everywhere on the internet, there is this coliseum of pettiness, where we own each other, crush each other, talk about one another, and we create teams all day. And the believer is called to be a person of peace. How is it that the church is probably leading the call of unforgiveness then? I often look for religious people to be the people on the internet doing the most work, causing the most problems. Could it be that religious people aren't always saved people? And this is the challenge of our text. The challenge is, if you don't forgive your brother from your heart, then I doubt you have truly received the forgiveness of the King. This morning, I want to call you to that. I want to call you to an opportunity to receive Jesus's forgiveness in the way of relationship. I do not presume church attendance means you're in Christ. Or maybe today is a day where you've come here and this is the first Sunday you're here. And while I was talking, you felt this conviction of the Holy Spirit. And you questioned whether or not you have a certainty about your relationship with Christ. I want to offer you today to either start or restart your relationship with Jesus. And secondly, I want to offer you a time to pray over the areas of unforgiveness in your life. I wonder if you'd stand with me, if we could have some music play behind me. We hope this message was encouraging to you. We invite you to send us an email at info at so we can hear how God used this message to speak to you. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Our handle on all our social media platforms is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we would love to see you on a Sunday. Our services are at 1030 a.m. and noon on Sundays at 345 Adams Street in downtown Brooklyn. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope to see you soon.